BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. the 132nd episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. I am your host, Floyd Johnson, and it's a shock. I know you're here used to hearing the silky smooth tunes of Mr. Austin Sumowitz, but he is taking the week off to get some rest. Uh, if y'all don't know, he's uh, he pretty much like... It's one of the heads of a sports network. So he's had a really, really long, exhausting week. He looks forward to getting back next week. We got some notes from him. He sent a special message to all of you. But until then, with us is our frequent and a consistent and host, Mr. From the Trick or Treater podcast, Mr. J.R. Perez. How are you doing today, J.R.? I am doing well, Floyd. Actually, as we just got done with finals at my university where I work at, so it's a sign of relief for every student, staff, and faculty on campus as we're going to enter into our holiday break for the next two weeks. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, I know that. Uh, I was just talking to Austin's sister, Sydney, and she was talking about how she was getting through the finals and getting through the rest. I know it's a very stressful time. For all our college students, I haven't been in college in 20 years, roughly, so I don't know that stress, but uh, winter is here, and the big story of the week is winter is coming, too. This is will be your winter is coming to preview and prediction show. Uh, I thank our good friend JR for stepping into the show, 
But before we get started on our review from Dynamite last week, I want to make sure you're downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating or a review. If you are so inclined, you can leave a donation on our podcast provider, Red Circle. Please follow us. Uh, please support us by following at AT Elite Pod, at Social Suplex, at Austin Summerwitz. Summerwitz is S Z U M O W I C Z, or me at Floyd Johnson Jr. or Jr. What's your Twitter? Yeah, they can find us at Trick or Treat Pod. Once again, it's Trick or Treat Pod on Twitter. You can access our link tree where we have a merch. Where you can find us on Spotify. Um, Apple Podcasts and where else you would download podcasts currently right now for the holidays we're taking a little bit of a sabbatical it's just been a busy time so we're, uh, we'll be back fresh with some new ideas and a new take coming in the new year of 2022 yes uh, you'll get some uh, 22 2022 horror podcasts coming to you from the Trick or Treat podcast as you may tell I'm not used to doing this part of the show this is not Really, my thing. I've actually come to depend on Austin, but I really did not want to skip this week because this week, winner is coming to is coming to you live from the Curtis Colwell Center in Garland, Texas. They do call it Dallas. For me, as I am in Oklahoma City, uh, I consider this my local show. I consider this my home show. They don't come to Oklahoma. But Dallas is only about two and a half hours away. So I've been to every uh, Garland show that they've had. So this will be my third show. Uh, so I'm very excited. So I really wanted to give our preview and predictions for the show so people can listen to it the day of. And I love doing the show with JR. Um, me and JR spend countless time on the phone just talking about wrestling so we pretty much could just record ourselves having our normal conversation and pretty much call it all things elite if we want to so yeah you would definitely uh this is definitely comfortable for us but before we get to that preview and prediction which i'm so excited for we are going to talk about last week december 8th dynamite review from the, uh, as MJF would put it, the greatest place on the earth, Long Island, New York. So, uh, yeah, so me and JR both watched the show. I think kind of watched it together, right? You know, <laughs> for the most part. Basically. Yeah. So uh, we're going to just go through and get what we think. So as the show hits, um, uh, the UBS arena in Long Island, uh, show hits, what comes into it, it is MJF's music playing. And I'm like, and we're like, oh, so they're starting with MJF. We're getting pumped up. And out comes CM Punk. Uh, and the crowd is booing them. The first real crowd to boo CM Punk. And CM Punk grabs the mic. He gets on the phone and he says, is that all you got? Chicago was so much louder. MJF is your guy, right? That's why I'm out here. The guy who said in my home, Chicago, that he's better than Roddy Piper in Portland. He's not a better than Roddy Piper in Hell Comes to Frogtown. I'm guessing that's a movie Roddy Piper was in that I personally have not saw. But, hey, that was still pretty funny. He went on and he really cut. He leaned into 
he was a heel. He was a heel in Long Island. He leaned into being a heel. He ran down the uh, what's it, the, the New York Islanders because apparently the New York Islanders have never won a game in the new in the UBS Arena as of this show. So he ran them down, and he just I mean he went hard. So I am going to stop here because I could go through everything he said, but. No point, but what JR, what did you think of CM Punk's heel promo? I thought it was extremely comical when you think about it. Uh, this is probably the one of the few times, I don't want to say the first time because you know my memory isn't as sharp as I like to think it is, but it's definitely you know one of the few times you've seen something where a baby face or a fan favorite for pretty much every single city in the country is booed in another city. Um, it, to me, it's very reminiscent back in 1997 where Bret Hart was a heel throughout the United States, but goes to Canada, is cheered, and then all the Americans go to, the, you know, here in the United States, such as the Patriot or Vader or Shawn Michaels, was cheered, and they go to Canada, and they're hated. So I thought that was funny how they flipped the script and how, you know, CM Punk really kind of turned on his, his hillish ways. I think it also added a new element. You know, one of the things right now um, with this MJF CM Punk, this rivalry, or, you know, these two getting along, is they are not touching, which I think is great because it builds up like the anticipation once they, you know, when they finally do get in the ring. And so it just allows that storyline to continue about them trying to one up each other until they eventually step in the squared circle. Yes, and I think that's one thing they are really good at with MJF. And honestly, it's something that I grew up on is like the really effective heels. They wouldn't get touched. They wouldn't touch until the big match, until the uh, actual match that you had to pay for, whether it be you had to pay to come to the arena and see them or, you know, building to a big show. It would be a while before they actually wrestled. So uh, that is sticking with an old school tradition of just old school booking when it uh, comes to AEW. Uh, I personally thought CM Punk played the role he needed to play. The goal was for, it seemed for MJF to be over in Long Island. He did everything he could for that to happen. As in, they didn't play a cult of personality because you know everyone likes to sing along the cult of personality at the beginning of the show he comes in there and just destroys them he just basically says you know long island's the scum of the earth and mjf's the coward and he's like this is your guy that's what he kept saying is this is your guy so a special message from our boy austin he says just tell the listeners my message on this week is aew is Long Island is the scum of the earth, and all those fans should be banned from future shows for booing CM Punk. MJF, that's their guy. Yeah, so as you know, our friend Austin is very, very passionate about one thing in this world, and it is Mr. CM Punk. So he was taken aback by the nerve of these Long Islanders, these ungrateful Long Islanders that took took time out of their life to fix their mouth to boo CM Punk. Yes, he was very upset with that. So uh, CM Punk goes out. I think they played Colt's personality on the way out, but he was getting booed at that point. So uh, 
So basically, he did throw out the challenge. He says next week, AEW Hank, uh, champion Hangman Page faces the uh, American Dragon Brian Danielson at Winners Coming too. And after that, I like to get get in the picture, and I know uh, MJF wants to. So we need to sell this. So I'll lay out the challenge. I want MJF, and I want him one on one, and I don't want him to run like they do in Long Island. I want him to stand and fight like they do in Chicago. And I don't have an out for this. I want MJF versus CM Punk. I'll do it tonight. I don't think he'll agree to it. And I don't think there's a man in the building that'll agree to it. And that's your guy. You're all chicken shit. So that was the end of the promo when he left. The next thing up was the Dynamite Dynamite, uh, Diamond Battle Royal. We get a vignette from outside of a man driving up in a red sports car. He gets out, he's wearing a Letterman jacket, and the announcer starts giving all the accolades of uh, MJF. He never got taken down as a wrestler. He was an all-state football player, and he got lots of chicks. I thought that was the funny ones. Oh, yes, he got lots of chicks. Uh, So Long was he comes out to the ring, uh, and then the Battle Royal happens. We'll just skip to the, I mean, there's two main things that happen in the Battle Royal. Uh, um, Wardlow grabbed Lee Johnson and Leo Rush and was at at the rope trying to get them over. MJF dumped all three of them out and then, you know, tried to apologize to Wardlow. We get to the last three. It is, um, it is Dante Martin, Ricky Starks, and MJF. Dante Martin and Ricky Starks looks like they're going to attack MJF. Dante Martin then turns on Ricky Starks, throws them out, and the last two in the ring are Dante Martin and uh, Dante Martin and MJF. What did you think about that being the last two, Jr.? Yeah, I've been really high on Dante Martin for a long time. I've been saying, in my opinion, he's the best Lucidor style prospect I've seen since Rey Mysterio going back to when Rey Mysterio was in ECW. Um, just his high-flying athleticism is amazing to watch. The one thing that was, uh, and I don't disagree with him being, you know, in the finals with MJF and having that match at Winter is Coming too. the thing that, for me, that was awkward or just wasn't, I don't know if it was needed or necessary, um, or maybe they could have added a little bit to it, was Dante Martin, all of a sudden, one week he joins Team Taz, and I feel like nothing came of it in the sense of like it just stopped at that point. And then this happened at Winter, I mean, excuse me, in the Diamond Dozen Battle Royal. And then he just throws, you know, Rick Starks over and takes off the FTW Taz, you know, armband. And, and it's like, oh, I fooled you. And but nothing was even said about it. So. I don't know where they're gonna go in this direction. If you know, if MJF is gonna you know basically retain for two years in a row, or if Dante is gonna win, or if, you know, it'll continue in a Dante Ricky Starks feud. Who knows? But it, it just it should be a good match. So now we have the final set between Dante and MJF. Since my my beautiful friend Jr. my good good friend Jr. does not watch Dark, he does not get the whole story because on Dark. They had Dante Martin and Leo Rush. Dante Martin comes up to the uh, Leo Rush and he's like, I told you I had a plan. I told you I had a plan. And it was all part of the plan between Leo Rush and Dante Martin for Dante not to be 
the numbers game not to play against Dante Martin in the Battle Royal. So it was Leo Rush's idea from the whole beginning, sir. So yes, you do know where it's going. He's going part of he's part of the highest flight, the highest flight. I wonder how uh, Darius Martin is going to feel about because you know they were top flight and he said the highest flight. So that's better than top flight. So woo, I want to see what they go to do. But Taz is very upset. We got swerved by uh, that they got swerved by uh, Dante Martin, and he said he had a special announcement later on in the show. He got something for that. So then we have the acclaimed uh, Max Caster and Anthony Bowens and 2.0 Matt Lee and Jeff Parker uh, with Daniel Garcia in the back uh, with them versus Jurassic Park, uh, Jurassic Express, excuse me, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus and the Varsity Blondes. Griff Garrison and Brian Pillman Jr. with Christian Cage and Julia Hart, which I have to say, I've, I, I did the Jurassic Park thing. I will never not make that mistake because, you know, every time I think Jurassic, you know, because of my age, Jurassic is Jurassic Park. So it's kind of funny. Um, so they get, they have their match. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jungle Boy locked in a snare trap and forced uh, Caster to... Uh, tap Eddie Kingston took uh to Eddie Kingston jumped Daniel Garcia to stop him from interfering. Kingston took the camera backstage with him. Ortiz was back there with Kingston. Daniel Garcia 2.0 jumped Kingston and Ortiz. Garcia screamed Buffalo at Kingston and pointed his finger at him in anger. Buffalo. So do you uh do you remember this match? What did you think of it? I barely remember it. So I don't blame you if you don't. It's just one of those matches where I think it's just to get um, a group of guys a win and also further other storylines as we saw getting with Eddie Kingston in 2.0. So it, it feels like at my point, Eddie uh, 2.0 has kind of taken the spot of Angelico and um, Jack Evans. Where you remember Angelico and Jack Evans would talk a lot of crap and they would beat lower people on dark, but generally they would have their match on dynamite and always lose. And it just seems like they're in that mid car heel tag team position that used to be settled for, uh, used to be saved for Jungle Boy. Uh, you know, used to be saved for uh, Angelico and Jack Evans. So the good thing with. 2.0 and I believe is the one I'm referencing is Jeff Parker. They have a they have a little bit of natural charisma and they have the ability to talk and they're kind of I don't want um, not chicken shit heels but they are a heel that you would like to get beat up and would and they have done stuff that's similar to that type of role and I think that's where they've been able to fit in with. With AEW, whether it was going after Mox and now Kingston, whether it was Sting and Darby, so they found a good little place for them in AEW. Yeah, they they have definitely found their spot. I, I will always bring this up. I don't know how the WWE didn't make them work. They are such a WWE act. They have such a charisma. They are so funny. It just seemed like they were built to be like. Let's just say I'd never heard of them before. Before they came to AEW and they were they were doing their act. I'm like, oh, these guys are going to end up in WWE. Vince is going to love these guys. They 
just get it. You know, they're funny naturally. They can make everything work. And it was just, like I said, I will, people have been on this, listen to the show will know I brought it up. They're probably tired of me bringing it up, but I just, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's just like these dudes have so more charisma in their pinky than most people have in their whole body. And they just, like I said, they can make everything work. I've seen them just make drinking a cup of coffee funny. You know, the good tough guys, they get beat up. I just, I, like I said, I will never understand how it didn't work. Um, then we get um, moving on, though. We get backstage FTR, Cash, Will, and Dex. Uh, Harwood were backstage with Tully Blanchard. Uh, Lucha Bros, you've never beaten FTR. Your only victory is Flute. I was illegal. We are the torchbearers of the tag uh, team wrestling. Friday night on Rampage, we become the first ever two-time tag, uh, two-time AEW tag team champions. Top guys out. I mean, just a simple little promo. Uh, I I love what FTR does. I'm, I'm going to always be completely biased on how they're cutting promos. Do you have any thoughts on the promo of this? You know, the more you hear them talk, the more you wonder. Not that they, not that it's great that they have Tully, that it's that's not great, but it's like they could be their own act. Absolutely, uh, Tully working the uh, strategic line. Like I've always thought about. I know he'll never work there, but I've always thought about what if they actually got to work with Jim Cornette. And I just like I don't know if it would work because Jim Cornette is usually the voice of his group and Dax and cash are so good at cutting promos and getting their points across. They almost don't need a manager. It was like, I think Tully finished off talking in this session. And I was just like, I don't feel like he added anything. And there's no disrespect to Tully Blanchard. One of the great all time, great talkers. It's just, I feel like when they talk, they stand on their own. And the other problem too, with, with Tully is he has, you know, he brings the element of, you know, that he's a horseman, he's a legend, he has gotten physical a little bit, but because of his age, he doesn't get physical too much. And the way that FTR is, they're, you know, throwbacks to yesteryear and during that time where there was J.J. Dillon, or Bobby the Brain Heenan, or even closer today with some of managers in the last 10 or 20 years, managers, get, heel managers get physical and totally doesn't really get physical or can't to a certain extent because of his age so it's kind of um it's i don't want to say useless but it's but it's almost pointless of him being there because he can't do the things that a traditional manager would do if let's say he was 20 or 30 years younger and it'd be interesting to see if they found an an up-and-comer uh person that could be his new manager could be ftr's manager Absolutely. Uh, I completely agree with that. Um, I think he would almost be more advantageous to a younger heel tag team. Yes. Yeah. Almost similar to like that, you know, when Paul Ellen was with, with Authors of Pain. Yes. Yes. Yeah. He was perfect for them. Yeah. They were so dominant. He didn't ever need to get physical. So it was, it just worked. He, but they couldn't talk. That was another thing. Paul Ellering did the talking and, and that was the whole thing. FTR is just such a good act on their own. I don't know again, all the time what Tully adds to that, but you know, it's Tully. So you don't question that. So the next match we'll jump right into is the young bucks 
uh, Matt and Nick Jackson. Uh, Nick has, is cleared from his heel injury. I guess after a little break, backfield felt better than he ever did before versus Chaos team of they're very familiar with Rocky Romero and the Kentucky gentleman Chucky Taylor with fresh squeezed Orange Cassidy. This match was like, so I was posting on Twitter. I don't think the Young Bucks at this point in their life are capable of a bad tag team match. And based is just my style of tag team wrestling. Uh, what I prefer, well, our style is FTR to 80 style, but the Young Bucks are so good and they understand their style so well that you can literally put other two people, any other two people on on uh, the side of the ring, and they're going to make it work. They're going to make it entertaining. This match was entertaining. Um, the Bucks finished off Rocky Romero with the Meltzer driver um, after distraction from Brandon Cutler. Uh, they got Rocky Romero alone. Uh, before we go into what happened after the match, what did you think of the actual match, sir? It was a... It was a good trios match, you know, kind of what we were used to seeing with, especially with the Young Bucks, and now we're seeing more with Adam Cole. But you know, this was just a straight tag, though. There was a lot. There was a lot of interference. That's why I I think that's why you thought it was a trios match. You know what? It's because I was got confused because during the match. So something that I saw, it happened last week with Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole and having this match. I was like, Orange Cassidy kids getting his ass whooped. And for some reason, I thought I had forgot that he was in the match. But um, that's either here or there. There was a lot of outside, you know, interference, distractions. Um, but it's definitely building the, the storyline of best friends slash chaos versus the super click. And it's from last week and this week, one of the things I was like, man, Best friends are getting their asses handed to them by SuperClick. Something needs to happen. Yes, and speaking of something needing to happen, thank you for that beautiful segue, Jr. But thank you. Uh, after the match, um, we got Adam Cole and the Bucks begin to, uh, to beat on Orange Cassidy. Will Willie, you just ran down to the, and he was outnumbered. Uh, Orange Cassidy. Sp- uh, hit Orange. Uh, I mean, Adam Cole hit Orange Cassidy with the Panama Sunrise. Cole and the Bucks were about to attempt a three-way uh, BTE trigger until the best friends music starts, and you're like, uh, I mean, there's Chris Stat, but they're out of best friends. Who could it be? Then you see what has become a staple of AEW wrestling: Sue rolling in in her white car, and that can only mean one thing. Oh my God, I howled. Uh, my wife yelled at me when this happened because I actually yelled. Uh, I mean, yelled out and howled. Trent is back and he comes out and he attacks the Young Bucks. He clears the ring. The best friends all hug because you know what? You got to give the people what they want. What did you think of the return of Trent in his hometown of Long Island? And he looked good. Yeah, a new look. Trent has a shaved head, new attitude coming in, and definitely, um, I going back to the Rapungi Vice days. I've been a fan of Trent. Um, I just think he has a great look to him. I think he's great in the ring. Um, unfortunately, um, 
yeah, actually, the first time I came across Chuck uh, E.T. was at Supercard of Honor 2018, and and he was wrestling solo because Trent was hurt. And unfortunately, injuries have kind of, you know, I think has taken a toll on him. So hopefully he's back um, and, you know, back and he's obviously in better health and hopefully he can stay that way for a while. But it's good to see him because, no lie, um, it's just best friends just didn't seem the same without Trent being there. Yes, and it was, uh, you know, they even made the joke that Willow Utah was actually Trent and they, uh, they had Rocky believing uh Willer Yuta is actually Trent. So I thought that was pretty cool. Uh so uh th- having him come back, they're all doing a hug. The best friends now probably have the biggest faction next to the Dark Order. If you think about it. I mean, cuz it's Trent, uh Trent, Chucky e. T, the actual best friends, Orange Cassidy, Willer Yuta, Chris Statlander and Rocky Romero, and they're a part of chaos. So, but if you think about it, just those six, those are six stateside members right now. Man, they're actually as big as the super click. Uh, if you think about adding, uh, you know, Carl Anderson and uh, big LG, Luke Gallows. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, good to have Trent back. He looked healthy. He shaved head. Uh, looked like he's ready to go. So I don't know if he's going to, are we going to get a, a best friends actual tag team versus young bucks? Are we going to get three on three? Are we going to get four on four? What are we going to get? I'm excited about it four and four. Cause Bobby fish has been hanging around with the elite. Uh, Ruby Soho was backstage being interviewed by Alex Marvez. They were interrupted by the bunny and Pelinella if Ford. So this was to me, the funniest part of the night. The bunny said after Nyla wins uh, uh, the title, the bunny and Penelope Ford will be first in line for a match. They challenged Ruby to a match this Friday. Nyla ambushed Ruby, and when she hit her in only a Nyla way, she yells, Surprise, bitch! <laughs> and then hits her. I thought that was so funny. Did, uh, did you catch that when it happened? Yes, I did. And yeah. um, one thing is, Nyla has some amazing one-liners during her time in AEW. Yes, that I mean, but that the timing and yelling of it because you know like usually a sneak attack will happen and in your head you're kind of yelling surprise bitch and it's just it's just that she did it and it was just like she she said what everybody was thinking when that came out. So I thought that was funny. We had TNT champion Sammy Guevara being interviewed by Tony Schiavone when the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes comes out. Cody said Tony Khan just announced that he'd be facing Sammy in the next open challenge, which is on Christmas. All ego, uh, uh, Christmas. So I have to describe what happened because it's not really broken down here. Cody comes out and he says, your Christmas open challenge has been accepted. And he looks at Sammy, uh, shakes his hand, pulls him closely and says, good luck, kid. Then teases like he's going to go out the hill side and then flips around and goes back out the face side. It was such a condescending moment. Like if you didn't know, like, let's just say you've never seen dynamite before and you saw the section and you asked a small child, who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. They're going to say Cody's the bad guy. 
Because he was very much a dick in this. and it, it was not subtle. It was very much picked up. What did you think of Cody challenging uh, Cody challenging good old uh, Sammy G? You know, um, the first match on AEW Dynamite from Washington, D.C., if I remember correctly, was Sammy Guevara versus Cody. Yes. And Cody got the win. And... I don't believe they've had another match one on one since. Uh correct. They have not. They have not and touched since then. Cody went on to become a two-time TNT champion. Um lost the belt to Darby as Rulinias eventually gets to Sammy Guevara. So Sammy Guevara obviously in a lot different position he is over two years since that match and so I'm sure he would love to get that loss off his record by potentially beating Cody. And Cody never, you know, had get an opportunity to win the TNT title back since he lost it last full year. Um, it will definitely be an interesting match. You definitely, uh, one of the things I liked, it was kind of like Cody saying, hey, you know, you know, good luck, kid. Because it's like, hey, you may be the TNT champion, but I still have your number type. You know, and that's the part to me that would be interesting to see where that goes because uh, just of all the talk of the, you know, potential Cody heel turn. And just on a quick uh, discussion as far as this uh, Christmas match. So Rampage Christmas Eve falls on Friday, but the Christmas story has traditionally for, I, I mean, for decades, it seems at this point, has aired a 24-hour marathon of a Christmas story, typically starting on TBS, but they've also been doing it on TNT. So beginning at 9 p.m. on uh, Christmas Eve until 9 p.m. on Christmas Day, typically a Christmas story will be aired. So because of that, Rampage will not air on Christmas Eve. Friday, it will air after a Christmas story marathon on Christmas Day, December 25th, which is a Saturday. So that is when we'll get Sammy Guevara the Fantasy TNT Championship against Cody Rhodes. Yes, and I just kind of want to do a tiny interlude here. Ta- title matches on pre-recorded shows. I don't like them. I understand why they have them. They draw, but I don't like them. Because I don't think you're going to ever do a title change on a pre-recorded show. So it's just like, to me... When you have a title match and it's going to show up on Rampage, I almost always assume, hey, it's going to probably be a good match, but I know the title's not changing hands. Do you have that same thought, sir? I don't believe I don't believe there'll be a title change. I do think there potentially could be something of importance that happens, but not a title change. Yeah, like I watched the show and I'm waiting on something to happen. But I just know that the champion is going to keep the belt. That's how I feel. And I'm not saying this for AEW. It's just because of the words of spoilers, as soon as that title changes hands, however many thousand people are in there are going to be on their phone tweeting out that the title changed hands, and it's going to be spoiled anyway. So it's like all that excitement and hype that you get from a title change, you won't get because... The show's pre-taped, so I just don't think they're ever going to change the title on a pre-tape. I may be wrong. I may be super wrong, but I just don't feel like it's going to happen. Like when Sammy won, it was live, you know, right? Right? It was live, yeah. And it's just like, 
I just don't see it happening on a pre-tape. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe no one else thinks about that. It's just how I see it. Then we had a, a what I call an amazing match. I think it's one of the better TV matches I've seen this year. We had Jamie Hayter versus Rio. Big thing with this match. It was just like, it was really exciting. And Rio and Jamie, Jamie's trained in the Joshi style. She's worked in stardom. So they had amazing chemistry. The crowd was not into this match at all. There was no heat from the crowd into this match. But if you just watch it and you just pay attention, don't pay attention to the crowd, it's an amazingly worked match. Uh, I thought uh, Jamie Hayter was very physical. Rio played the underneath really well. And uh, in the end, uh, in the end, uh, Rio uh, pinned, uh, Rio sent Hayter crashing with a crucifix bomb and then the running knee and Rio pinned Hayter. Uh, Britt Baker and Rebel jumped in the ring after the match. Uh, Baker replied to lock John Rio, trying to incapacitate her before their upcoming match. What did you think of this match, sir? Uh, I thought it was okay. I've, I've always thought I've been kind of hard on Rio because as I'm a sizes in professional wrestling, I like big, giant individuals. And Rio, uh, I think, is extremely talented, but because of her size, I think sometimes uh, things happen that makes certain spots difficult. And one of the ones that was interesting was on the outside. Uh, Jader was talking with Britt and Rebel, and Rio was climbing the, the top turnbuckle to do basically a splash to the outside. And I don't know what went wrong, but it's almost as Rio hit her and hit Hater and bounced down, but Hater was able to catch her. Um, so I just, for me, Rio just isn't my cup of tea. And I think it's just because the the style she wrestles sometimes against um, bigger opponents. Because I think if you look at the women's division in AEW, there uh, and I think Jamie's one of them. She's just a little bit bigger than I would than Britt Baker or let's say even Ruby Soho. So you, I think it's just sometimes difficult to pull off some of the um, offensive maneuvers that Rio has. Yeah, I mean, and, and you know what? Not everything's for everybody. Rio is really, really small, so oh, I'm sorry. I had to sneeze there for a second. Uh, Rio is really, really small, so some people can get behind that, especially with our offense. But, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this match. I thought it was one of the better women's matches that I've seen worked. And then uh, we had Tony Schiavone out to interview the varsity. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I skipped over very important. Taz had his major announcement this Friday on um, Rampage, Taz sends Hook. So Hook and he'll face Fuego del Sol. Hook will make be making his debut on Rampage as he faces Fuego del Sol. Then we had Tony Schiavone interview with the Young Bucks on the uh, Young the Varsity Blondes, not the Young Bucks. The Varsity Blondes on the ramp when the arena lights turned out. Malachi Black appeared out of darkness. He blew black mist into the face of Julia Hart. She screamed in agony. The lights turned out and Malachi was gone. Uh, so what did you think of that, sir? Where do you think that's going? I'm honestly I'm confused because the last time I felt. We had Andrade and Cody. We had Pac and Malachi after it was um, Andrade and 
Pac and Malachi and Cody, I think things are broken off in those two feuds. I thought things were still going on with Pac and Malachi, but um, I have no idea what's happening. I'm assuming we're going to get to a match with, I'm going to say Griff Garrison and Malachi, because that's how it kind of seemed based on like Griff's mannerisms. And it's one of those things where maybe it'll happen in two weeks just to get Malachi you know, a win that eventually lead to a bigger match, but I'm just a little bit confused. I don't know why this happened. I like being in that position sometimes. Uh, I've seen different takes online that uh, this could be uh, turning Julia Hart to the dark side. I would be intrigued to see what that looks like as maybe the House of Black is growing. I'm uh, with as someone that saw the recent ROH final show, I'm very excited, and hopefully Brody King can join in with Aleister Black. They share the same look. They're currently the PWG Tag Team Champions, and I just think that would add so much to that. But we will see going forward. Uh, see going forward what this means for Malachi Black and Julia Hart going forward. Uh, the next thing was the main event. It was Brian Danielson versus Dark Order John Silver. Yeah, he he beat him up. I mean, John Silver looked good. I think I think he looked good. Uh, he got a lot of offense in, did a lot of reversals. I thought this, but it was basically a replay of Brian Danielson beating up the Dark Order for the last few weeks. So, uh, yeah, that's what we've been getting. Um, what do you um, What do you think of the match, sir? I mean, I love John Silver. When we talk about charisma, and while he is rel- while he is short, he reminds me of the Pokemon Machop because he is strong as can be. If you ever had a chance to meet John Silver and you see him when he does the, the double bicep pose, I mean, he has he's a legit strong man, and he does and his he has quickness and he has speed and um, he has power and. It's one of those things where sometimes good things come in small sizes. And I, this was, you know, for me, offensive dominated by Brian Danielson, which is everything was to make Brian Danielson into this, in my opinion, an unstoppable force, which is what you would want going into a title match um, against your world champion. So it, it's just part of the storyline. And I'm just glad that John Silver got a chance to wrestle and in his neck of the woods and in that arena with that crowd. How many times is John Silver going to main event a show? And he main evented in Long Island in front of his friends and family. Uh, unfortunately, this was not one of the times AEW is usually given really good about giving you feel cold moments in front of your hometown like they did with Trent and to a point with MJF. But, uh, yeah, so uh, they did not give him a, a good going away, but Brian Danielson won. I did forget to mention something before we finish this up. Uh, after the Dynamite Battle Royal, uh, MJF was heading to the back. Uh, Ricky Stark starts attacking Dante Martin, and then uh, MJF started acting like he was going to save him. The fans were cheering for him to save him. He's like, oh, no, no. And he, he runs down there, and they think he's going to save him. But no, as he is truly a heel, he starts beating up on Dante Martin. And they started cheering that because in Long Island, 
MJF can do no wrong. I just I forgot that it felt like it was a big part of the beginning because he really teased like he was about to do something like a face, and no, he stuck to who his character was. Uh, yeah, I skipped that part. Uh, that was pretty you, funny. You know what's funny was uh, because of this show, some people are like, you know, MJF could be a great babyface. I'm like, absolutely not. This guy cannot be a great babyface. Everything about him is a, is a heel, and yeah, I. He did get cheered Long Island, and he has he has a look, and he just soaks in the crowd, and he did he he had uh, he had a baby face moment, but I I mean I couldn't even imagine MJF trying to cut a baby face promo or or coming off as a baby face. I even when he was with Cody, he and just you know he was still you know for you know just put a blunt, he was a, a dick heel, and that's what I mean. He and that's. What he does, and he does it extremely well, better than anybody else today. And I could not imagine him being a being like a per, you know, a babyface in throughout every single territory. Yeah, um, there's not a lot of people that should always be one thing. I think you should always leave it open for everybody to move as need be. I think Rey Mysterio should pretty much always be a face, and I think MJF should always be a heel. I just think that's the way it should be. And, you know, call me wrong, call me right, but that's just how I see it. So, um, yeah, yeah, MJF should always be a heel. So uh, I completely agree with that. And that was it for Dynamite. Uh, We're about to go into Rampage. Uh, Yeah, let me pull up my Rampage notes. Rampage uh, was, what, three matches, four matches? Uh, We opened up with Rampage with our favorite tag team, uh, FTR versus the Lucha Bros. They had what I consider a really good, I wouldn't call it great, back-and-forth match. I felt like... The Lucha Bros were a lot of off on a lot of spots. It was just everybody has a bad night, and I just felt like they were off. Uh, I don't know. Did you see the same thing? Um, as people know, FTR is yours and my favorite tag team. Lucha Bros is up there for me as one of my favorite tag. Top two is FTR and, and Lucha Bros, like trying to pick between between my kids and I just can't do it it's so hard but I but I'm an FTR Lucha Bros I love them to death but I think when you when when it's all said and done and you look at Rampage is essentially commercials 45 minutes and what FTR and Lucha Bros can and what they need to do to tell a story having a match that I believe was shortened because of the time constraints of Rampage was a detriment to both teams and felt like a lot of things were rushed and when you do the type of stuff that lucha bros do in the ring i just don't think you can rush rush those type of matches and so um i'm hoping there's another you know a concluding chapter in this story because i don't think that's the right way to end this match in this rivalry between lucha bros and ftr yeah, well, after the match, uh, the next day, you see a video, a clip from Dak showing that uh, Cash's foot was under the rope when the three point uh, three uh, count was uh, counted. I think this might lead to more matches in the future. I do think there should be 
a wait. I think the Lucha Bros should defend the titles against a couple more other people and then maybe come back to FDR because we've gotten the match to me too much too soon. And thing with AEW, they're very good at not doing that. And I just think we've gotten that match too much too soon. But something happened during the weekend that we'll talk about in just a moment that may spread this out a little bit. Uh, the next match was a trios match. We had Ruby Soho, Anna Jay, and Ty Conti versus uh, Nyla Rose, the Bunny, and Penelope Ford. And what did we get, Anna Jay? Uh, uh, uh. Okay, hold on a second. I don't remember who won. So, crack. Uh, Oh, yes. Yeah, I remember this. Uh, Nyla, uh, Vicky passed brass knucks to the bunny, and she decked Anna J. Uh, Nyla Rose hit uh, Anna J with the Beast Bomb and Pender. Uh, uh, Nyla Rose en uh, enlisted Penelope Ford and the bunny to take out Ruby Soho. And uh, ahead of the semifinals, they like, how much damage did they really do? I thought this was a good match. Um yeah, I don't think they I, – I really think they should have hit Ruby with the brass knucks. I really think that should have happened. But uh, uh, what it, in this case, um, Anna J took the brass knuck shot and lost. Uh, what did you think of this match? I just... It was, to me, it can, to tease to set up your Nyla Rose, uh, Ruby Soho semifinals for the TBS championship. You know, there's some, as we said earlier, with like CM Punk and MJF, you know, they're telling their furthering storyline without touching in this situation. And it's happened before where you get two competitors in the ring and it, sometimes it's in a tag match. Uh, sometimes they're even on the same size of a tag match just to get that interaction. So um, I thought it was, you know, giving us a little bit of a um, taste before we get that semifinal match. Yes, uh Absolutely. Uh, it, it It is uh, leading to something going forward. And I love that they're building on uh, they're building on what's going forward, uh, moving to uh, that match. And it's just adding storylines into um, th the TNT tournament is good. Uh, the next match we had, actually, we had uh, Tony's backstage with Darby Allen and Sting. They get attacked by FTR. Uh, FDR held up Sting and Tully was about to kick Sting. Darby Allen launched himself into FDR, knocking him down before Tully could get the kick in. Cash sent Darby flying into the loading dock door. FDR held up Sting again, and Tully finally connected uh, with the low blow to Sting. One more time, Sting. Tully stayed with a spurk. I just have a feeling, strong feeling, a floor. It just... It's it's um, coming through strong that it seems like that we're going to get FTR versus Sting and Darby on Rampage. What do you think, sir? Well, we've had the match before, and I thought the issue was dead. And for us to transition to this from the Lucha Bros, as well as some other stuff that occurred over the weekend, I'm, I'm not sure why this is happening. I thought and. um I don't know how far you go with this, especially with, you know, it's, I don't want to say I feel Darby's lost, but since getting Sting and losing the, T, the T, 
NT Championship while we had the, the good feud with um, CM Punk, but he's since lost to CM Punk, lost to lost to um, MJF. I really think he needs some big singles wins to get back, like you know, where he was at this time last year. I will tell I will tell you this: Sting performs in Dallas. That's just that's how it is. So we're in Dallas. That's why they did the match. So Sting can wrestle in Dallas because Sting is from Dallas. If a lot of people don't know that, but Sting lives in Dallas. That's his home. So Wait, I, I he's think, not from he's not from Venice Beach, California. I mean, he might have been in the eighties. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't think do 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 they say he's from there now? I don't. I, I don't believe. I don't think they say anything of where he's from. Yeah. Um, as as of current writing, he is not scheduled, but that doesn't mean he won't be for Rampage. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I think it's going to be on Rampage because they don't have any matches scheduled for Rampage at this point. So I just think that's how it's going to go. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. I'll be happy because I'll be there no matter what. So then we had Taz versus Fuego del Sol, and actually, let me just say this: I'm, I'm not. I, I, I'm going to let. Because JR has had some feelings about this match. And JR has watched this match, I think, at least five times. So, honestly, this is the first we do this. We do this with uh, uh, when it comes to uh, Austin and CM Punk. I'm just going to let you take the review on this. Go. Well, as we know, um, this was the debut of Hook, who is a second generational star, the son of Taz, and he comes out to um, an action Bronson song called Chairman's Intent. And I thought the song was was pretty awesome. I'm a country boy, but when I heard the song, the way it started, I thought it was really cool. He comes out, and Hook has this, as soon as you see him, he has a swagger about him. He just has a look that he knows he belongs there, and that he knows you know he belongs there. Gets into the ring and goes straight to the turnbuckle with back towards his opponent who's probably going to soul and the referee. And he's just like waiting, like, just let me know what time when the bells ring, because I'm gonna get I'll get started. And I think they couldn't have picked a better opponent for him in this first match. Uh Fuego del Sol. Fuego del Sol is you know, he's he is a luchador, does a little bit high flying, but he can bump like crazy, as we've seen. Um, I think, unfortunately for Fuego, his record is like seven and thirty-three. I think um, heading into this match, so he is he is on the end of quite a bit of losses. But again, that's why he's there with AEW. He uh, he has a position there. And the match starts, and quickly, the first thing you notice about Hook as they go into a collar nubble tie-up is his transitions to collar nubble to headlock belly to back um judo throw and uh, and back again to another judo throw that occurs um he's you utilizes pretty in my opinion um great grappling um i think for the most part the transitions he was doing was extremely uh fluid and tight it didn't look like it was forced it didn't look like he was wait him or fuego was was waiting on spots um, he did very well in what he was able to do. We saw him do some counters. Um, one was a, a hip toss counter. One was a counter to the uh, the tornado DT of Fuego. Um, it just really takes it to him, and eventually ends up using a, a task plex as well as 
I grew up with the first time I heard it was called the Cut the Hydra Main, um, also known as Taz Mission, on Fuego to get the tap, um, but which we found out later will will be called Red Rum, which if spelled, you know, spelled backwards is murder. So um, Hook in a set, in a squash match um, gets the win over Fuego del Sol, and you know there's a lot of hype about it. About it, um, I will say. Um, what you did see is offensively, some of the things he is a natural athlete. You know, there's some things when you go into professional wrestling is some people are natural athletic and some are not. I'll give you an example. You know, the Hall of Famer, Mankind, Mick Foley, Cactus Jack, he is not a natural athlete. I think he will tell you that he said it. So he had to work really hard doing what he did to get over but you have other people who have an athletic background, um, whether it's The Rock, whether it's um, Kurt Angle, whether it's Mark Henry. They're just individuals who are, who have some sort of athletic background that gets it. Hook, he, he grew up uh, grappling. Um, Taz talked about a commentator. So you see his movement, and he, it just comes more natural to him. When and The term I use is fluid. And so I think he has the ability to potentially be a success in what you saw, but it was very little. There are things that we haven't seen. We, we didn't see him um, sell quite, you know, sell a, a, at all, essentially. Um, I think uh, Fuego only got like two offensive maneuvers in that whole thing, and we haven't heard him talk. So while the sky's the limit for Fuego, um, it would be interesting to see. But basically right now, uh, to me, He's basically Goldberg. He's one and zero, and he's offensively. So we need to see him be able to do other things, so that way he can actually be live up to the hype that I would say many of us are creating for him. That is, uh, I don't want to say not deserved, but is not right to him to build him up to being like the second coming of the greatest wrestler of all time. That was my take. I love that the internet went in for Hook. I, I, I mean, I think Hook deserves it. Don't get me wrong. Hook is, uh, he looked really good. But like I said, I, 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 there's a lot to being a professional wrestler. And I'd say I've seen about 20% of what makes a great professional wrestler in Hook right now. So I'm going to reserve judgment for the future. But like I said, it was a very big deal on the uh, on the online sin hook hook shirt, one of the best selling shirts on Shop AEW. Keep that going. Keep supporting Hook. I love excitement. I'm not going to be the one to say calm down because that's not really me. I'm I'm like calm up, get excited. You know what I mean? It's just so I am happy that there's excitement over Hook, but I we I think we have yet to see how great he looked a lot better. Than a lot of the, a lot of people have in their first match in AEW, and I do think a lot of that has to go. And I think the support people uh, don't uh, recognize that that a lot of that credit uh, goes to Fuego del Sol. I mean, a lot of that credit goes to Fuego del Sol. He did his job. His job was to make Hook look good. He did a wonderful job of doing that. So now we move on to the main event of Rampage. It's Adam Cole, baby, versus Wheeler Yuta. Uh, this was a solid match. Um, 
yeah, uh, Cole uh, kicked uh, Willa Utah to the head. We got to that point. Cole mop- lowered the boom with the running knee and pinned Utah. Uh, message sent to Orange Cassidy is what uh, Excalibur said. Uh, best friends Orange Cassidy and Rocky Romero entered the ring to check on Wheeler. Bobby Fish pulled out Trent uh, by the ankles and cracked him with a roundhouse kick to Trent surgically repaired back. The Young Bucks and Adam Cole descend on Orange Cassidy, Willow Euler, Chuck Taylor, and Ro- Rocky Romero with the stomps. Uh, look at this. Cole and the Bucks uh, with uh, all-out assault on the best friend, said Excalibur. Um, uh, the Bucks held Orange Cassidy as Orange uh, Adam Cole kicked Orange with a low blow. Bobby Fish uh, rolled Trent back in the ring. The triple BTE trigger on Trent to say, welcome back to AEW. Uh, so, uh, what did you think of this match and the finish? I just go back to, man, the best friends are getting their ass kicked by Super Click. I mean, you're talking about out of, I mean, with the exception of Trent's come back at the end for the save. I mean, they've been dominated. So I am, you know, I'm, I'm with the storyline, but I mean, two best friends are gonna have to get some sort of offensive, you know, maneuvers, or offensive finish or some W's against Adam Cole and, and the young bucks. Cause right now it's, it's a one-sided beating and then super click swinging the hammer. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was, it's very much one-sided. I'm thinking this is going to go to a street fight because that is honestly like the best friends signature match. And I think we're going to get a best friends, uh, the three, we're going to get the, uh, original three orange Cassidy, Chucky T and, um, uh, Trent versus Adam Cole, baby. And the young bucks. That's what I think we're ultimately leading to. I'm very excited to see that when that happens, but we got a lot of matches and a lot of things set up. So that was it for rampage. We'll talk quickly about what happened Saturday at the ROH, uh, ROH final battle, which is might be their final show. Uh, the one thing that is AEW related is, uh, there, there was a tag match between the Briscoes and FTR, who have had a back and forth going on on Twitter. The Briscoes beat the OGK, which is Matt Taven and uh, Mike uh, Mike Bennett. They beat them. Uh, actually, uh, Maria Canellas actually came down to the ring to them. But, yes, uh, that match uh, happened. And uh, after the match, after the Briscoes won, the lights went off. For an exceedingly long time, <laughs> even JR was like, dude, when it's going to come back on and who it comes back on is standing on the apron is uh, who else but FTR, Dax Wilder and Cash Wheeler, uh, Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler. I don't know why I said that. Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler, they jumped in the ring. A fight ensued. The breakups happened. More fighting happened. And they brought it. Uh, yeah, uh, Dax then sent a tweet to today, or I think he sent a tweet a few days ago and, uh, basically, uh, said talk shit. And then, uh, the Briscoes left a very Briscoes promo, uh, return that it looks like we're going to eventually maybe in AEW get FTR versus the Briscoes. How excited are you about this, sir? You know, I, for... Close to the last 20 years, I believe AEW, I mean, Ring of Honor was founded around 2001. 
Uh, I remember seeing a video. Um, I, I think I still have it here somewhere. It was uh, Eddie Guerrero's uh, two run in Ring of Honor, which was two um, two events occurred. I believe it was two thousand and two. And Jamar Briscoe was on that card on those cards. So that's long they've been a part of Ring of Honor. I mean, going back to for almost twenty years, they've been a part of Ring of Honor. I think for the entire run, and they've been known in those two dec almost two decades as one of the best tag teams to be in professional wrestling that has never set foot in a you know in another company outside of Ring of Honor, um, not TNA, not WWE, um, and you know now not AEW. Um, I mean, obviously, they ran, they were New Japan um, at one point that, that I do remember, but they were known as one of the best, in, you know, to do it. And FTR is known as one of the best teams. And when you look at, a, you know, whether it's just something that's raw and something that's or, or, organic and not forced and kind of a throwback to, you know, just brutal nostalgia type tag team wrestling. Um, I don't think you can get it better than Briscoe's and FTR, and it definitely would be interesting to see what is the environment. I um, one would think, man, this would be great for AEW Revolution in Orlando. Um, I said, man, what could be if they wanted to do it sooner? You have the first ever special um, for AEW Battle of the Belts, and you have the new Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions of Briscoe's versus the AAA Tag Team Champions uh FTR in Charlotte, North Carolina. I'm just I'm not saying it's snapping there, but it seems like man, stars align perfectly. Champion versus champion on the event called Battle of the Belts. So um only time will tell, but it's definitely going to be a lot of fun and it's going to be extremely physical. It's I don't think um probably the exception of DIY um and American Alpha, but it, it's going to be in a different way. This is going to be a physical, brutal matchup. It's going to be a fight. Yeah, and you know, no flips, no fist, uh, just fist. This is what this is what this is about. This is what they're talking about when they say no flips. Uh, this is going to be a fight. Uh, they said they they did an interview last week, and they said, "Hey." We're going to make the Briscoes happen. Uh, the Briscoes, they've been sniping back at each other, and it just it felt like it was coming. And I just love how they laid the foundation for this eventual feud that, like I said, I, I would, I'll be honest and say I didn't even know I wanted this feud until I saw them look face-to-face, -face and I was like, oh, my God, this might be magic. These, might, these four might be exactly what each other needs because – they're kind of the same no nonsense style so it's gonna very much be the styles that match up with each other and it's gonna be fun you know like ftr dealt with the bucks the lot a lot of fast pace it's a very fast paced new style of wrestling they've dealt with the illusion bros very fast paced style but when they deal with the Briscoes, it's going to be punches. It's going to be just straight fighting, and I love that. And I'm not saying the Briscoes can't fly because I've definitely seen the boys fly. The Froggy Bow, uh, it's one of those moves just that you that is stuck in your head. But good lord, I think this is going to be fighting, and I don't think this is going to be one match. I think this is going to escalate. So I'm uh, looking forward to it uh, in the future. I'm hoping I'm at 
each and every one of the matches. And I've told JR, and I flat out said it, if I have enough time, if I have enough notice, they, I'm not talking about tell me on Friday for a Wednesday show, but if they say in two weeks, this match is going down, in that two weeks, your boy will be there. Hopefully, JR can be there too, because I just think this is going to be one of the ones that you talk about for years to come. It's either going to be, to me, I feel like it's either going to be an all time classic or it's going to be an all time letdown. I think there's no in between. Do you agree, yeah, sir? Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things where um, I think, honestly, the, the longer this is a matchup that happened as soon as possible. And it sounds weird I say that, but the reason why is. The longer um, you build up to it, it's, it's going to build the hype up. And when you build the hype up for too long, you get a situation where no matter how great the match is, it won't live up to the hype. So for me, doing it within the next two or three months um, is extremely important because the more you see them chirping online, the more you see them you know, interacting, um, it's just going to build that hype up. Yes, definitely. I can, I completely agree. I think it does need to happen fairly soon. I'm like, you know, whenever you decide, two weeks later, you know, two weeks later. Just, <laughs> just, just, just remember that so I can have time. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's it for this week's shows. Uh, we now into our uh, Winter is Coming preview uh, live from Garland, Texas. One has become my favorite city to watch AEW. I like literally, if you look at the order, I think for me, it's Chicago is where I've seen the most shows. Jacksonville would be second, and then Dallas is third. So I'm really looking forward to going again. And this will be my wife who is attending with me first show. So I'm very excited for my wife to attend the AEW show. I've gotten to know a lot of people around, uh, around, you know, where the security and stuff and, you know, where I wave and say hello and they know who I am. So it'd be cool to be like, Hey, this is my wife. You know, she lets me go on all these things because I always said I wouldn't be the fan that I am, the world, the statewide traveler if I am, if my wife didn't let me, and she definitely does. So there's only four things announced. I thought we might get an announcement on the 14th about another match, but we didn't. So we only have four matches, so just going to go kind of in order. Uh, and JR wants to say the match, just let me know who you think is going to win and any other comments you have. Dynamite Dino, uh, Diamond Final, MJF versus Dante Martin. What do you got? I'm going to go, it's going to be considered an upset, but I'm going to go with Dante Martin. I just think he's he's an up-and-comer that a lot of people like. And, you know, it's MJF, MJF has had that, that ring for over two years and. I think it's time to crown a new champion, and I think it's going to do more for him than it will do for MJF. And I absolutely agree. I think Dante Martin will win. I think it'll definitely have something to do with Leo Rush and CM Punk having some kind of interference in this match. And MJF is one of those people. He has only been pinned by he's only been pinned by John Moxley, John Moxley, Jungle Boy, and Chris Jericho, right? To my knowledge, yes. I know for a fact Jericho and, and, and Moxley. Um, I think Jungle, Jungle Boy, Boy was in a tag match or something like that. Yes. So, yeah, so 
uh, he he doesn't get pinned a lot. So when he loses, it it means something. So Dante uh, getting this win would definitely mean something. He can say, "I beat MJF." You know, I pinned MJF. No matter what goes on around it, and MJF is gonna say it's because people interfered, and that's gonna make him want to fight CM Punk more, which is I think the goal of CM Punk. The next match we're gonna talk about is. The match I'm honestly most looking forward to, it is Serena Deeb versus Hikaru Shida 3. And I'll start, uh, the reason I'm mostly looking forward to this match is because uh, I've seen these two wrestle before. They have super chemistry. And they did this thing where, you know, Shida beat her to keep her from getting to 50. And then Shida uh, won the second time by roll-up. And it's just a very exciting non-title feud which i think is very important for them to establish that the women in their company can have feuds that are not for the belt because that's what kind of makes the women secondary because it's like if it's not for the belt then the match don't matter uh so uh this match definitely uh matters so i am definitely thinking i'm gonna go serena deep I'm going to go Serena Deeb on the win. So what do you think, sir? I think Serena Deeb, and I will say this, at the end of the day, I think the winner of this would, of this a match between Sheeta and Serena Deeb will, will be the first challenger for the TBS championship. You think they'll be the first challenger for the TBS championship? That's cool. That's a, a different take. Uh, who did you say we're going to win? I'm going to go with Serena Deep. You're going to go with Serena Deep. I just think if Sheeta wins, that almost all puts her automatically back into the title picture. And I think they want to hold off on that for a while. So I definitely think uh, that would be something that they want to hold off on for a while. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I definitely agree with that. The next match, I think we both know who's going to win. It's Matt Seidel versus Wardlow. So Wardlow, Wardlow. I think the better question is, what's the over-under? I'm going to go with uh, two minutes. I'm going to go five. Uh, Seidel doesn't get squashed, squashed. He usually, he loses, but they generally let Seidel do with it. And not with there only being four matches on the card, I think they might give them a few more minutes to go. And then Warlow gives them the knee and knocks them out. So, yeah, uh, that, it was a weird match to add. Like I said, I was expecting some kind of tag team match, six-man match. But I think they're trying to give Danielson and Hangman a plenty amount of uh, plenty of time, and I think there's some room for some surprises in here. All right, I will. I will yeah. say this real quickly. You're. I think we've been seeing seeds for a while, but I think they're starting. My big theory is starting. Uh, winter is coming. You're going to see a very big trajectory jump towards getting. Uh, a potential MJF Wardlow split. It's gonna start with. It's gonna start on this show with MJF losing to Dante Martin due to some outside chicanery. We're definitely gonna get to CM Punk and MJF, but I think, I think after that, we're going. Eventually, we're going to get to Wardlow and MJF before the end of the year. I'm gonna say before summer gets here. All right. Yeah, that would be uh, awesome. I will definitely uh, check on that. that um, second. All right. And last match. And I'll let you start. Brian Danielson versus Hangman. I mean, 
you cannot have Hangman lose the championship in this first title defense. It's, it's going to be a hard. Obviously, you know how Brian Danielson wrestles, hard hitting, um, grappling. Um, he's going to stretch you. He's going to hurt you. But at the end of the day, I just think that you know Hangman Adam Page is going to persevere. And what a better way to start your your championship brain? You beat a gentleman who many think is the greatest professional wrestler in this era, Kenny Omega. And his first title, the successful title offense, is against a man who many believe is the greatest of this era, Brian Danielson. Yes, I think it's going to be an amazing match. I think it's going to be uh, action-packed. I think it's going to be an action-packed match uh, that will bring tear the house down. Uh, Brian Danielson, like the to me, like the Bucks, impossible to uh, impossible to have a bad. Well, he's he is impossible. He just doesn't have bad matches. So I think he's gonna be, uh, I think he's gonna be the one to definitely carry this to the great. And he's gonna play the heel that Hangman needs him to play. And I think after a match, uh, I think we're gonna get the handshake. And I think you know, Ryan Daniels like I needed to do what I needed to do to get the best out of you because I wanted to face the best. I needed angry Hangman, so I did what I had to do to get that version of you. So he, he's not really a bad guy, but he had to play a bad guy to get what he needed out of uh, Hangman. But I am just honored and tickled pink to for uh, to use an old man term that I get to be there for this match. I think. Uh, yeah, Brian Danielson, if not, you know, he's one of the best in the world. I think Hangman uh, is just getting into his zone, and I just think this is a match that can show you what Hangman is capable of doing. I do think we're going to get a big debut after the match. I don't know who it is. I just have a feeling that they're going to set up big uh, as far as somebody as either the Hangman's next challenger or whatever, but I am looking forward to the show, and I am going to just enjoy it all. Yeah, any thoughts? Any other thoughts, sir? No, I just think it's actually cool um, that you'll be able to be there. And I, you know, I don't think you mentioned it, but you will have been at both Winter Has Come and you were la- there last year at Kenny Omega, John Moxley, and Jacksonville. Now you're here for Hey Madden Page and Brian Danielson in Garland, Texas. Um, you've had the opportunity to see many big champ- uh, world championship matches in AEW's history. So, I just think that's awesome, and you know, I think as Tony Khan mentioned, you know, definitely tune in tomorrow as well, you know, because there may be some surprises as well as in subsequent weeks. So tomorrow should be a big pay-per-view um, level uh, event in Garland. All right, and that's it for our preview from Winners Coming. Just a few news and notes. AEW Revolution Weekend is going to be March 4th, 5th, and 6th in Orlando, Florida. It's going to be at the Addition uh, Arena, which is owned by like uh, uh, owned by UCO. Uh, it's where their uh, college basketball team tickets go on sale Friday with the pre-sale being Thursday morning. Uh, then they announced shows February 16th in Nashville. That's going to be a live dynamite and a rampage taping. 
And then Bridgeport, Connecticut, Wednesday, February 23rd. That's going to be a live Dynamite and a Rampage taping. Last, Amanda Huber, go to her website, or I mean, go to her Twitter. There's a link to her uh, Players' Tribune article, and it is me and JR both read it. It is very in-depth about what she had to deal with, uh, dealing with uh, either, first of all, the beginning of her relationship uh, with uh, beginning of her relationship with Brody and all of that and leading to his death and everything in between, even the difficult task of telling uh, her son that, uh, you know, his dad is going to pass away. So uh, it's very hard for a moment. Uh, tears. I, I've heard of tears. She's a very strong woman. I, I'm one of those things. You don't have to. I don't think you have to read it, but I don't think it would be a waste of time for you to read it. So, um, yeah, I think that's it for the show. Uh, JR, you have anything left to say? Everybody have a happy and safe holiday season and uh, stay dry out there because it's been wet across America. Yes, and I I, I leave the same. Uh, you have a safe holiday of... Austin, we miss you. Can't wait for you to be back next week. Running the show and hosting the show is very hard. I've been tongue-tied. Uh, I've been tongue-tied like 97 times. So it's, uh, it's, I'm, I'm very happy that you'll be back and I can just, you know, chime in with my port. Uh, so for, uh, for JR, uh, this is Floyd. I am saying whether it is home, work, or school, Always do your best to be elite.